wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. I'm so pleased you've joined us for today's episode. You can keep the conversation going by searching for Bleeding Daylight on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. My guests today have five children, including two with special needs. They've used their own family struggles and journey to provide support for other families of all kinds. I know that you'll find their honesty and openness in today's conversation inspirational. Steve and Katie Keane wanted to build a strong marriage with happy, thriving children. Sounds great in theory, but how do you make that kind of dream a reality? In order to reach their goal, they've created what they call the Family Success System. They speak from over 17 years of experience and having helped many others to reach their own family goals. I'm so pleased to have Steve and Katie on Bleeding Daylight today. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having us today. I'm interested to learn what life was like in those early days when you were looking for some way to reach those family goals. What was life like for you? For us, our, our special needs journey started the day our first child was born. Our family goals, you know, before that were your very typical desire to have a family with kids and I guess you would say the average experience and, and hopes that you have for your family, for your kids, what you want them to be and, and do. And when your children are born with special needs, that all gets thrown out the window in a sense because you get a diagnosis from a doctor that says, well, we've absolutely no idea how this is going to work out for your kid. We don't know if they'll walk, if they'll speak, if any of this, that, and the other. And so from the first week, things are upside down and you don't really have those anymore. And so it's kind of playing as you go, figuring out what it is. Okay, we see where we are now. And so we have maybe the opportunity to shape things differently than, you know, when we were in college or when we were first married, because that never happened. We started off with the idea of probably what everyone has, you know, kids will be healthy and happy and go to college, get married and all those good things. And then you're faced with what well, we don't know if they'll walk or speak. And so let's throttle that back and see what happens. It is interesting when we have those ideals and we just think, well, every other family seems to make it through. So we should be able to do that as well. And then when life seems to throw us a curveball, we're not quite sure what to do. And even if everything's going normally, it's difficult enough. And I'm sure that you, you've spoken to many parents that have found that to be the case as well. Yeah, that's always the case. Uh, when when you're in the special needs community, you have a tendency to get to know quite a few other families who are in the same sort of situation. And for a lot of us, it's a lot of doing everything you can today with the hopes that tomorrow will just be good because you don't know five years, 10 years down the road, much less anything further than that. And so it's, it's a more short term sort of thing. You have your own hopes for yourself. You have your hopes for your kids, but you just can't make those plans because they're not likely to come true when things are, I guess, not unstable, but impossible to predict. 
or even in some cases to shape. Did you look around to see what was available to try and help you on this journey? We did. We did a lot of researching and a lot of reaching out. You know, we were very involved in all the therapies and all the (laughs) doctor's appointments and everything. And what we learned on the way was that there were many resources for children, many therapies, many, you know, options, people wanting to help support the child. But there was essentially nothing, especially uh, a very thorough, comprehensive Uh, plan for the family themselves that's around the member that has extra challenges. So we didn't find somewhere that could specifically speak to the marriage of a couple who suddenly finds themselves in a very different situation than they expected. We didn't find much in the way of resources for how to help the children who are siblings of a special needs child and how to help them become successful versus bitter. How do you balance that? You know, we didn't find much in the way of how do you take care of yourself when your whole focus is suddenly on this emergency, essentially, that doesn't go away, (laughs) depending on the severity of the problems with the child, of course. And how do you keep yourself healthy and well? How do you do self-care in that time frame and not get sick? And then also financial aspect, you know, there's a lot more costs associated. And, And really, there was not a lot out there that we could find that would speak specifically to the special needs family that really needed to understand how their plans needed to be different long term. So we just began really researching that and trying to to find the resources and where we couldn't, we tried to put them together ourselves. In those difficult times, because we know that every family is trying to do the best they can with what they've got, but knowing that there wasn't that plan that was out there, knowing that there wasn't the information that you you sought, what was the feeling for both of you? Was was there a feeling or a sense of failure? Was it just anxiety? Was it frustration? What were the things that you felt at that time as you were trying to navigate your way through these uncharted waters? Mm, it's a complicated question because for me, I won't speak for Steve, but for me, it is a very winding journey of many emotions that would come and go sort of the same as the grieving process where you experience one thing one day and you think maybe you're through that stage and suddenly it's different the next day and then the old stage comes back the third day some days very hopeful some days very excited about the new discovery of information that might help and other days confused or frustrated. Some days there are feelings of hopelessness, you know, except that we know that we never are hopeless because of our faith. And that has really kept us through. But yes, the emotions can be very varied. Steve, do you want to speak to how that was for you? Well, yeah, because all of the ones that you mentioned are are absolutely ones that that you feel. It kind of comes in bits and starts. It's mm-hmm. two steps forward, a step back. It's It's a lot of that sort of incremental progress, which is sometimes just really frustrating. And then the things that a normal parent might take for granted, you're absolutely thrilled about. I mean, you would be so excited about a child being potty trained. (laughs) There's, there's some things that are milestones that you're you're like, man, I didn't think we would ever get here. Uh, And there are some like that that we still haven't gotten to, Mm -hmm. you know, and so there's when you have those sorts of delays and and whatnot, then uh, you remain hopeful. It's so easy to be frustrated because there's lots of things to get frustrated about. But at the same time, we know that we don't ever give up 
And so we continue on with the hope and the effort to try and attain those goals and meet with joy and show the other kids what it means to work hard and to celebrate those wins. Mm -hmm. And even for the special needs child to rejoice in in their accomplishments. And it's a mixed bag all the time, you know, because you you have the same struggles as any other family and, and then some. But at the same time, you you really don't take things for granted. Even those little things are, are really huge. So you get really excited over those. And it sounds like you found a, a gap in the information that was there, that there was information about dealing with a special needs child, even within a family, but there wasn't anything that coupled that together with trying to keep your own relationship alive and, and build on your own relationship. It, it's that focus on the child rather than the wider family and especially that marriage relationship. Well, that's in, indeed true because, as Katie said earlier, most things focus on on the child with the special needs, whether it's medical or trying to help them in social settings or whatever the case is. There's virtually nothing for the remainder of the family. You might find a few things here and there that talk about what parents can do for themselves. You might find something on occasion that helps you to uh, help keep your focus on the other kids because the other kids have a relationship with the kid who has the the difficulties. And, you know, you want all of the relationships in the family, kid to kid, parent to kid, etc., to be strong. And so there are plenty of gaps in that kind of stuff. And so for us, it's quite a lot of trial and error. What did other people find that worked? And will it work in our family? And, you know, you give it a shot. Maybe it wins, maybe it doesn't. And so you feel like you're always on the hunt and, uh, and make uh, for yourself a normal situation that is, that's livable and gives the best outcome to all of the children and for the strength and stability of the marriage. So uh, a lot of hard work in there. And it's interesting that we do talk about this term normal and we wonder what normal might mean. And I'm sure that there are people listening that think, well, some of these things might work in, as you say, a normal family, but your family seemed to be anything but normal because you weren't even stationed in the one place. You were moving around. Tell us a bit about that kind of lifestyle. It was crazy because we're we're from America. We got married and had our first year of marriage here in America, and then we moved to Italy. So we're, I think, uh, five, 6,000 miles away. Uh, we have our first kid there the day before I was supposed to leave from uh, Europe to go to Africa for half of a year. He's born. He starts having trouble right away. He's made a fact to Germany, supposed to be leaving for Africa. Instead, I get rerouted and now I'm up in Germany with the family. So from day one, it was quite upside down. And then we ended up coming back to to the United States uh, six to eight weeks later. And that whole tour of duty got cut short. We were supposed to be moving to California. That got removed because we would have been too far for medical help. So, you know, there was always that factor of how close are you going to be to a hospital or to getting the type of services that you need. And then you get to a place, it's rather stable. You get things set up. The family sort of gets used to life in that state. And then, you know, two years later, you move into the other side of the United States again. And <laughs> we became quite resourceful. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so we had to figure out, okay, how do we 
how do we make the state of Virginia work for us? How do we make the state of California work for us? How do we make things work here in the state of Maryland? And then how do we figure out stuff that doesn't have to change when we move from place to place or as uh, we have additional children or as the kids are growing and Mm -hmm. whatnot? And so trying to, that was really elusive, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to create a life that supports special needs kid, the other children, the marriage, the family, and all of those types of things when you're moving every two years or so, because you have to make it work in each place, but you don't want to have to change everything and reinvent something every time you, you do move. So that was a lot of challenge right there. We did a lot of experimentation, trial and error, had a lot of stuff that didn't work for us, but then we really capitalized on the things that did and sort of codified those things so that we have the ability to implement them no matter where we are. And and that's where we started making some really good progress in creating a family lifestyle that works for us and could work for any family. And, yeah. and so that was sort of the genesis of the family success. It helped us learn a lot of flexibility while still maintaining structure. I'm reminded that this whole time, it's not like you get to say, okay, we're going to study something and then we'll put it into practice. You're having to put into practice family life as you're going before you had the keys to actually make this work. How difficult was that to be trying to juggle all these things that are happening within family and at the same time researching, trying to find ways to make things work, having those trial and error moments where you thought this is working and then you realize, oh, it's not back to the drawing board. That must have been a very difficult time for you. Mm, it, it absolutely was and continues to be at times, though we feel that because we have learned to really put some structure around this lifestyle and created this system that we use that it's much more manageable now. But there have been many times where, you know, we just have had to allow each other the space to grieve and to listen and to express frustration. And like Steve mentioned earlier, to really focus on celebrating the wins because it was and is hard to be on a journey where there are so many ups and downs and life itself, regardless of whether someone has a special needs child or not, is going to have the ups and downs, whether that's because we've lost a pet or have lost a, a grandparent or maybe just moving. Moving is very hard for many children and and even adults. And so in life, you know, I think it's important that we can step back and allow and support each other in our family to process the emotions. How difficult was it to get to that point where you thought finally things are working? How long did it take you to finally realize, okay, we're starting to see systems work? I would say it was probably incremental. I think kind of like a frog in boiling water, but in reverse, where originally it was very, very hot and we were really struggling and really trying to figure out how to not feel like we were living in an emergency all the time and constantly trying new approaches and constantly trying new resources. Then, you know, we would find something that worked and that would stick and then we'd feel a little better. But then there were still new areas of our life that we needed to approach and so the the process continued until finally we realized, oh, because people started asking us, what were we doing? And we realized, oh, we have actually got something here that it doesn't just 
work for us. We have friends asking for this, you know, and so we would share it with them. And so it did take a very long time. I mean, I would say ultimately probably, gosh, 12 years, maybe at least before we began to realize before people started to say, my goodness, like, what are you guys, how do you do this? You have all this going on and yet look at the children and you guys are still so happy. And how, how do you do that? When was it that you realized, was it when those friends were asking that you realized that, Hey, when we were searching for answers, there weren't any, but we seem to have discovered some, we should make this available to a wider audience. No, it was not when the initial friends were asking oddly. We were still very, very busy in a way where we were really working with a neurodevelopmental program. At the time when the friends began asking us for what we'd come up with over the years, we were not at that time thinking about anything entrepreneurial. It was after we realized that we had a calling to start helping other special needs families, which now includes just families as well. We want to help bridge that gap of people not understanding what it's like to have a special needs life. And what we've come up with applies very well to all families, even though it's extremely supportive of special needs families. But it was actually through someone we've met on this journey when he began asking us, we were just in general conversation and ended up on his podcast and he wanted to know all about our system. Then at the end, we hung up and he said, well, can I buy that? (laughs) and we said, well, we don't have it for sale. It's just what we do at our house. So I think that was when the light bulb went off and we're like, you know, maybe we really should make this available as a piece of what we're trying to do to other people. What are the central planks of the system? What are the central things that make it the, the success that it is? We work to begin with just to get the parents on the same page. It's very important, as well as assessing in general what their health is like, because it's very difficult to implement any kind of a family government or a home economy or any real family relational things. If someone's sick, if the children are bouncing off the walls, mom and dad have anxiety or depression, it's harder to focus on the relational things. So we kind of assess that. We work to get them on the same team, make agreements as a couple, and then we walk them through a process to really shape where they want their family to go, but according to their own dreams and desires and callings, not according to ours. So it's it's very flexible, like we mentioned, having had to learn how to do for ourselves. In the end, the family ends up designing for themselves like a family culture, an environment of teamwork, and they end up designing just a whole government where everyone is working under that government that kind of replicates what will happen outside of the house. And so a central tenet there, common thread that runs throughout all of that after we get the parents on board is teaching you the children responsibility Mm -hmm. because as the children become responsible, it gives them the opportunity to be creative, to take care of themselves, to take care of others, to learn about financial responsibility and things like that. And what we're using that responsibility for is to teach them about being independent, being responsible and independent once they have left mom and dad's home to go get that first job or to go to college, whatever the case is. They leave the parents' home prepared for life, if you will, 
on their own, financially, socially, and so in, in those respects. And so it is the responsibility of the child to get to that point. Mom and dad are going to guide them along the way, very hands-on at first, and then less and less and less as time goes by to the point where before they've even left from mom and dad's home, they're pretty much responsible for themselves to almost 100%. And then they're in good shape for when that day comes. We know as adults that we give attention to the things that need attention in our lives. But in a child's mind, that can be seen quite differently. How do you overcome the fact that some children might seem to feel that the child with special needs gets all of mum and dad's attention, and yet there's not enough time for, for me? How do you provide that time for those children who are just growing up, what we might say normally, as against the, the extra effort that we need to help that child with special needs? We have worked very hard and share with other families the value of communication and of really making opportunities to make sure all the children feel heard. There's a wonderful book that we really love and we like to talk about it called The Five Love Languages. When you can understand what each of your children and your spouse speak when it comes to how they feel loved the most and how they show their love the most, then you can be very effective in making sure that that person's, and the book refers to it as, I think, a love tank, <laughs> is filled. We have found, and in many of the families that are also successful who we have met on our journey, that when there is a very open line of communication, a trust, a bond, when the parents seek to hear the other children, then it's okay. And the other children will come around that special needs sibling like the parents do, not in the same way as an adult, of course, because they're children, but in the amount of abilities that they have. And children have such an amazing capacity for compassion. <laughs> and when they're led and shown the way to do that, it's beautiful. And so we have seen that when that communication line is opened, when those children understand and know that they feel loved and they can understand that their family is working as a team, they don't feel a lack. They can actually end up with what we like to consider superpowers, <laughs> superpowers of compassion and of understanding and of ability when they're out in the general community to be able to be very much blind to other people's differences, much more open and willing. So for example, if we were out at the shops and we would see someone in a wheelchair or with another form of disability, our children would have no hesitation as long as they were with us, of course, because they were children, they wouldn't leave us, but to simply converse with that person. Many other people are uh, hesitant, concerned, afraid, unsure. Children who are allowed to be in an environment where they feel confident and have had their self-confidence grow and exposed to people with challenges can really just shine in those ways. I know that most of the time in that parenting journey, especially early on, we are teaching and instructing our children. But over the years, what have your children taught you? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, it's, a, it's a big list. It's a good one. Yes. Um, you know, you will learn a good deal of patience. Mm. And, and I got to tell you, for, for one of our kids, we have 
really learned about unconditional love. You know, when you have somebody who is wholly dependent upon you Mm. and couldn't make it on their own. I mean, not even for a day at any age, then, you know, that person is wholly dependent upon you for everything. And then they will just blow you away with the amount of, of gratitude, the love that they have for you. And then you see that at the same time, that child will, will show that sort of uh, kindness to a perfect stranger. And that person that meets our kid for the first time walks away changed forever because they just have that deep sense that that child had an impact on their life in, in five short minutes with that same sort of lesson. It's really cool. And Katie, for you, what are, what are some of the things that your kids have taught you over the years? As a homeschool mom, I can say I have learned right alongside of them. <laughs> I will never forget the day that my son, our oldest, second grade, I learned that penguins had knees. <laughs> I never knew that. But on a much deeper, <laughs> I know, on a much deeper level, I think they have taught me so much as a person. And in so many ways, I've grown up alongside of them, having already been the adult. But there is a, a great personal development that comes along having children. And whether or not the children have special needs, if you allow it, they will grow you. And then having to juggle like we've had to juggle, having to be flexible and patient was definitely something that they've taught me because with all of their various needs and none of them the same of our five, two have had significant needs, a varying degree. I have really had to allow my mind to open to the fact that each child needs something very different, which has meant that I myself have had to be willing to bend. I can't be a rigid person with them in so many ways. They've definitely refined me <laughs> through fire in some ways, but it's been a really rich experience. Earlier in our conversation, you touched on the place of faith in this journey that you've traveled. Tell me about that. What place does faith play in your life and in your family's life? Oh, gosh. I'll tell you that without it, I don't know how anyone can wake up every day and just keep going because there's so much grief involved if you don't have faith. Even with faith, there's a lot of grief. But just the loss of hopes and dreams for your child and the acceptance of your life being very different than you ever envisioned it. But we know for a fact that no matter how this life plays out here, that our children who struggle, will they will be restored And we know for a fact that there is nothing that is wasted here, that the challenges and the struggles bring us closer to God. They have a purpose, whether we can see it or not. And because of that, we can always have hope. Even if we don't feel happy, we can have joy in knowing that there is a reason that we're experiencing this. That allows rest when we need it. Because we can just say, God, I just trust you in this. I don't understand it. I hurt. My heart breaks. I'm tired. (laughs) But I trust you. And when we can do that, it makes such 
a major difference that I can't envision living without. And Steve, for you? Well, Katie did cover quite a lot of it. It is difficult, right? So you have you have your world turned upside down. Some folks will say it, and Katie's going to start laughing here in a second. I bet she knows where I'm going. They'll say that God won't give you mm-hmm. more than you can handle. And, yes. you know, <laughs> you're, you, uh-huh. you, you smile and you're like, kind of like, oh, that's nice of you to say, but you really have no idea how hard this is. And day to day, there are so many times when you feel like you can't handle it and that it's and it's going to beat you because you're exhausted or you're put everything that you can into it financially and you don't see a, a bit of progress or, you know, you worry for things. So you have those kinds of considerations and a lot of times the people will put that positive spin on it and try and lift you up a little bit. And you know that they're coming from from a nice place and, and they mean it well. But then, you know, you're trying to reconcile that with, well, hey, God, why did you give us this? Because it feels like it is so much more than we can handle. And that is where knowing, as Katie said, that you have it for a reason and that it's it's not going to be wasted is true and our reliance upon God to to get us through when we feel like we can't and you know a little pep talk doesn't help most of the time like that so you, you kind of like smile and hmm. and you have to reflect on it far more deeply because you know you're you're in a tough spot your kids in a worse spot and and you just think how can this be but then you really know that at the end of the day there's a purpose for it and 17 years into it, not sure that we can say fully that we know exactly what that is, especially when it happens more than once, <laughs> you know, when you thought that oh, everything's okay. And then, and then it's kind of like getting struck by lightning twice. And so it's difficult, but at the end of the day, you know, we're very thankful to God for our children. We love them just as they are. And as I alluded to earlier with, with the kid who's, who's taught us quite a bit about unconditional love, you know, in a sense that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And so we're thankful for our kids and the lessons that we learned from them and hopefully what we're able to share with others in this. So it's not wasted. It's hard, but that doesn't mean it's bad. And so God's been really good to us in that respect. And when those people say those things to me with their best of intentions, I just smile and I say, actually, He has given me so much more than I can handle, but he has not abandoned me. And it gives me ample opportunities to surrender and to lean into him and to rely on him. And he always provides. It's interesting that we hear these cliches from well-meaning people because often they really don't know how to meet us at our point of need, whatever that might be. So there are these cliches that come out. You, you've come up with a great way of, of dealing with that, with deflecting it and, and, and not harming the person who, who means well. What are some of the other cliches that people have thrown at you over time that you've just had to, to smile and, and move on from? There's been plenty of times where even close family have said, they'll get better. I'm sure they will. <laughs> And, and you're like, uh, did, did you not just hear what I said? Did you not hear this kind of thing? And so, you know, we, we take it with the attitude that the, the diagnosis that we get from the doctor is not the prognosis for the child long term. We know that uh, we're going to get well beyond 
what it is they've told us. And, you know, cause they kind of give you the worst case of everything. So when a person says this is going to be fine, he's going to be better. You'll see. Oh, you're and, so strong. You're such a strong parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of hard that way. Yeah. We just know that until you've walked in someone else's shoes, you can't understand it. People mean well, you know, they mean well, or they don't want to feel the pain that they would feel if they did try to imagine themselves in your shoes. And we understand that. So we just try to be very gracious ambassadors the best that we can. And where people really do genuinely want to learn, then we share because we want to bridge that gap so that people who don't understand can at least have enough of an idea that they can have great compassion and understanding and be enriched because the special needs community and the families around them can absolutely enrich your life so quickly. And if you're willing and not afraid to interact, you will be enriched. We just try as we as much as possible to be ambassadors there where we can. What has been the feedback that you've received from people who have tried the family success system over the last little while? We actually received feedback recently from one of the dads and he said, we wouldn't believe it. His kids, it was Saturday morning and they were inside the house actually doing their chores and nobody was fussing and they were going to go do something as a family later that day. And before they started the program, um, they didn't even have a knowledge of how to teach their children to do chores and they never took time off, none of them. So they were very delighted. It was wonderful to hear that feedback. Yeah, all the feedback we've received has been great. We've had some younger families who aren't at the point of teaching their children the principles yet, but they themselves are trying to lay the foundation for how they'll teach their children when they're a little bit older. So getting a head start. Yeah, getting a head start. It's it's really been fun for us. And I'm sure that people are wondering, what does family look like for you now? Where are your children along the journey? Well, our oldest is now 17 and a half. He has been so blessed because the stroke did not leave him with long-lasting impact, which was very unexpected and very much of a blessing. Our youngest is only seven, so we have them all packed in between there, and it's been a delight. It's so much fun as they get older, and uh, we get to move more into a mentorship relationship with them because that's how our, our family has developed, and it's just been beautiful. We, we enjoy it. It's really good. You know, it's certainly not without challenges, but mm. finding ways to uh, to get the kids on board has really turned out to be quite a blessing, right? Uh, yeah. So we're a bit of a pioneer family uh, in the sense that we're very reliant and everybody's very much required to do their own part. And that really works out well. Mm -hmm. That really works out well for us. It's wonderful for them too. They give us wonderful feedback. We have family meetings frequently because we really want, like I mentioned about the communication, we want to have open communication. We really want to have a good feel for how is each person doing as a unique individual within our family economy. You know, we want to know how is each person. And when we'll ask them, what would you recommend to a parent as far as helping their kid feel independent? Because we like to ask these kinds of questions to our kids. It's fun to hear what they'll say as far as things we've taught them and then also just allowed them to do once we've shown them how and how much their self-confidence has increased. Yeah, it's it's been good. We still have a lot on our plate. Our little seven, our um, eight-year-old, excuse me, is extremely challenged. My mom at one point said he's like our tiny Tim, you know, the whole family just 
adores him and he's very, very intensive for everyone, for us, especially um, as his parents, but he lights up our life. So it's, it's great as a family. And it must be incredibly satisfying for you to look at these other children that you've brought up and to see the love that they have, to, to see that you're not alone in this journey. You're actually, you're, you're training the others to come alongside as helps as well. The older kids are inclined to say that, well, I'm going to take care of him when he's older, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and stuff like that. And that, that's really good. But then, you know, in those quieter moments when there's nothing scheduled, there's nothing planned, there's nothing required to see them with, with the youngest brother or the younger brother there in their lap, they're reading to them mm. or they're, they're doing something just really genuine, the kind of thing that is just a blessing for a parent to see that they're doing that. Could you know that if the older kid decides, well, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have children, they're going to be well prepared for that. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple of times that the family success system is not just for people with special needs children in their family. This has principles that will work for every family. So I'm sure that there are many families of all shapes and sizes that are interested in getting in touch or finding out more. What's the easiest place for them to find you? Well, we've tried to make it very easy. If they go on to either Instagram or Facebook, they can find us at Family Success Secrets. We have a page on Facebook, a group on Facebook, and our Instagram. And then if they'd like to interact with us on email, we have a newsletter. And so they would go to podcast.familysuccesssecrets.com. And once they sign up for the newsletter, they'll receive a free success tip that's like a really amazing overnight increase in success that's really fun and researched. And we'll reply to them if they respond. I will personally reply or Steve. And so we enjoy interacting that way. And if they'd like to actually talk to us about our program, they can instead go to our uh, website, familysuccesssecrets.com, and just sign up on our calendar for a little short success session. And I will put links to all those uh sites that you mentioned in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net so that people can find you very easily. I've got to say, I've, I've loved this conversation. Uh, love to hear about where you have taken your family and that attitude of being able to find a way forward when there seemed to be no way. Steve and Katie, I just want to say thank you for your time today on Bleeding Daylight. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Yes. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.